Well, we're coming towards the uh, end of our camp uh, meeting now, and um, this appears to have stopped. I've got a tiny bit of battery power here. It, uh, we're coming toward the end of our camp meeting, and we have uh, looked at uh, some interesting titles as we have gone through this camp. Uh, sorry, it's flat now. <clears throat> we looked first at uh, this title, A Dark and Gloomy Weld, and we saw there that in this uh, vision that Sister White was given, the world looked dark and gloomy. And, uh, you know, sometimes we think this world is full of a lot of brightness, don't we? Especially uh, perhaps when we're first starting off, there's uh, lots of things to do. Uh, there's lots of uh, ways that we can think of uh, enjoying our life. But if we are uh, on the wrong road... Not only is uh, the earthly crown uh, hard to get, but it also doesn't last very long, does it? You know, our title here for tonight is When is Age Beautiful? And uh, what do you think? Uh, you know, we had one brother, and I remember... Some of you were maybe around this one brother who used to be our youth leader, Brother Harold, used to come up to all the young people and he used to say, I have a deep theological question for you. And uh, Brother Freddie might remember, what was that deep theological question that Brother Harold had for all the young people? Yes, that's the one. When does a boy become a man? <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully something happens, but maybe it doesn't always happen. I remember um, my uncle, my auntie um, was telling this story how she got married to uh, my uncle when he was uh, 21 years old. And... Um, he came back from the honeymoon and he decided to pull his cars out and played around with his cars. And she was wondering whether she had married a boy or a man because he, was, he hadn't pulled them out for a long time and he was just enjoying them. And um, she was uh, having um, some uh, serious uh, thoughts about uh, what sort of a person uh, she had married. So... You know, when we look at this theme of earthly crown, heavenly crown, if you give boys and girls uh, some plastic toys uh, that uh, look really nice, what normally happens? They get all excited, don't they? Or you take them to the shop, and they get all excited about this new toy that they have or that they can see and say, can't we buy this now, Mum? I really need it. Or Dad. 
And sometimes I've found that they look for the weak spot as well because when we've gone shopping, sometimes I've said, no, we're not buying anything else because we have enough toys already. And then they go and talk to my wife and say, oh, but mum, please, we really want this. Or the opposite way around, just to try and get some things. And sometimes we haven't communicated with each other and we buy the thing and then they keep trying us out. But how long are they happy? A short time, isn't it? Very short time. But you know, even with the things God gives, even though this earth, this sin-cursed earth, has many things in it that show that there's been sin. Have you ever noticed that if you put a children in a room and give them all these plastic toys and things, or if you've let them go down there out in the bush, which one lasts longer? Isn't that interesting? So God has given, we're not just talking about the, the heavenly crown here, but we're talking about the things that God gives versus what man gives. What man gives, eventually they start fighting over it or they break it or they lose interest. But out there they build cubby houses and they play with sticks and they do all sorts of things. Even in the sin-cursed state of this earth, it is still far more lasting than the bits of plastic, metal and glass or whatever we can come up with. God's things versus man's things. The big difference. But um, we're talking here not just about children, but about old people. So is it good to be like a child? You know, The Bible says yes and no. Okay? So it might seem a bit contradictory, but we can say both yes and no to this question. Let us have a look at some apparently contradictory Bible verses. Matthew 18, verse 3, a verse we all know very well. Someone like to read that for us. Matthew 18, verse 3. It's uh, a verse we often refer to. Thank you, Sister Reyes. It says, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Okay. So here it says, We should become like little children. Let us turn, though, to Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 10. Ecclesiastes 11, verse 10. And this verse seems to be saying the opposite to the verse we just read. Who would like to read that? Anybody? Yeah, or King James says, 
childhood and youth are vanity. So, should we be like little children, according to this verse? As it said, childhood and youth are vanity. vanity. They're vain. So it seems to say the opposite here. Um, Let us have a look at another verse. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, which also suggests that it's not good in some respects to be like children. Someone else like to read that one. Ephesians 4.14. Thank you. Thus we henceforth be no more children, taught to and fro, and carry about with every wind of doctrine, but the slight of end, and cunning craftiness, craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. Okay, so in, in this verse here, it is also saying, don't be like children, swayed by ideas, by doctrines. Have you ever noticed children, how easily influenced they are? Just one has to make a suggestion and they all go with that suggestion very quickly. So what is the positive then about being like little children? Innocence, yes. Mm-hmm. Do little children hold grudges? No, never. They don't, do they? Maybe if they do, it's very, very short. Very, very short. Um, but as they get older, and it depends how little, <laughs> as they get older and they learn mine, that word mine, and ownership, suddenly... That's the little child you actually don't want to be like, isn't it? Where children then start to fight over things, where they um, are influencing each other in sometimes negative ways. Um, So I think here in Matthew 18, it's talking about very little children, not just older children who are already... (laughs) Uh, picking up some of those bad characteristics. Uh, but coming back to our deep theological question, when does a boy become a man or a girl become a woman? When does that happen? Because we're told not to stay like little children. You know, I remember somebody put on the bulletin one day, in one church I was attending, they had a picture. And the picture was of a grown man. And around him were lots of little people. But these people were not uh, actually children. You could see by their features of their face that they were dwarfs. They were dwarfs and they were about this tall, And the man was about that much difference between them. And the interesting thing was in these little people's hands were all sorts of implements that they could bash each other up with. 
They had clubs, they had knives, they had sticks and rocks and slingshots and all sorts of things, and they were hurting each other. And over the top was written the church pastor. And underneath was written, Lord, I wish they would grow up. Okay, was it in there? Yeah. Lord, I wish they would grow up. You know, when this question that we have here tonight, when is age beautiful? Do you think those little people in that picture were beautiful? When they're trying to bash each other up, when they're trying to pull each other down, when they're trying to, like our little stick um, picture here, trying to get the earthly crown and climb up on each other and push each other down and get each other out of the way, is that beautiful? You know, that is when old age is, in fact, ugly. You know, the statement that we are looking at here tonight uh, brings out uh, that these people who were chasing the earthly crown were clamorous and they would resort to any means to acquire the property. And as Brother Peter said, they had become insane on this point. They had become insane about acquiring things. And some of these people were not just middle-aged people or young people. They were men whose heads were white with age, whose faces were furrowed with care, and yet who were eagerly grasping the treasures within the crown when they had just a few short years before them. And yet they were still so eager to secure their earthly riches. It says the nearer they came to their grave, the more anxious they would be to get these treasures and cling to them. The relatives were not benefited. The family members were permitted to labor beyond their strength to save a little money. They did not use this for others' good or for their own. It was enough for them just to know that they had it. Isn't that interesting? They just wanted to know that they had it. When their duty to relieve the wants of the poor, to sustain God's cause was presented before them, they were sorrowful. They would gladly accept the gift of everlasting life, but were not willing that it should cost them anything. The conditions were too hard. And so it goes on to say it was painful to see those who should have been ripening for glory and fitting for immortality, exerting all their strength to keep their earthly treasures. Have you ever seen this? You know, I visited an old people's home and there was a man there who was very, very weak. And you know, all he was worried about was his possessions. All he was worried about was 
who was going to take care of his things. And I just thought, wow, that is such a sad, sad way to go, isn't it? You know, when we consider that compared to some other people who have a positive spirit right to the end, it's such a different way that they go. And so it said it's painful for those who should have been ripening for glory. So when is age beautiful? When you're ripening for glory. You know, when you see a fruit on the tree, when it's young, you think, wow, that's a beautiful fruit. But it's not ready for eating yet, is it? But as you watch it develop and grow, then you can't wait until, wow, this is going to be ripe and now I can eat it. And uh, God is watching us grow and develop. You know, sometimes we want to be children again. And you hear young people saying, old people saying, oh, I wish I was young again. Well, it's not about being young again. It's about being ripe. (laughs) It's about ripening for glory. And what does that mean? That means our characters need to learn not to be blown about by so many different influences, but find rest in Jesus. It's an old person that uh, was a family friend for a long time. And I just starkly remember hearing at 14 years old, this older lady saying, I will never, ever forgive them for that. Yeah, it's stuck in my head. It's like, wow, this old lady is walking around, you know, with her walking stick and everything, and yet she's saying, I can never, ever forgive them for that. What a way, what a weight to carry. Our life is far too short to have that on our chest. No wonder, as it says here, their brow was furrowed. They were not happy chasing these things. They were worried when they should have been getting ripe for glory. So do we need to wait till we're old to start ripening? Well, sometimes things start to get ripe and you can eat them at different stages, can't you? Uh, You don't have to... um, Uh, Wait, there are certain things, certain fruits that uh, can be perfect young fruits, can't they? Or perfect older fruits. And so when we look at this subject of uh, what we say Christian perfection, just because the fruit is not fully matured doesn't mean it can't be a perfect fruit, does it? but it should be ripening more and more for glory. The character should be more settled, more contented, more of the fruits of the Spirit shown in that characteristic the older the person gets. And so the the verse says...
sorry, just to find it here. Proverbs 16, verse 31. Let us read this one as well. Very important verse. Let us contemplate what this one says. Some would like to read it. Proverbs 16, verse 33. Some of the younger people. Oh, thank you. That is it. The love is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. Sorry. Proverbs 16, verse 31. I made a mistake. The hoary head is a crown of glory, if it be found in the way of righteousness. Okay. So, you know, sometimes we look at what the Bible says and think, oh, now you've got to respect old people, you've got to rise up before the hoary head. When is the hoary head a crown of glory? There's a big if there, isn't there? Because there are some old people out there that are not nice. Is that right? And there's some old people out there that are so nice. The hoary head is a crown of glory if, if it be found in the way of righteousness. Otherwise, what happens with the hoary head? The older person. If it's not found in the way of righteousness, what happens? The bitterness deepens. The complaining increases. The fixedness and lack of flexibility gets stronger and stronger. And the inwardness sometimes, the selfishness can get more in ground and deeper. Let us uh, watch in our lives that we are seeking the right thing because the habits just deepen and deepen as we go along otherwise. Interestingly, I read a statement that, uh, about children in Child Guidance 136, which says, let the children be taught to keep accounts. Okay, so let them be taught to be responsible for their things, to keep records. Um, this will enable them to learn to be accurate. A spendthrift boy will be what sort of a man? A spendthrift man. The vain, selfish, self-caring girl will be the same kind of woman. We are to remember that there are other youth for whom we are accountable. If we train the children to correct habits, through them we will be able to influence others. So what's going to happen if you are not teaching a little child to start chasing the right crown. Those habits are going to deepen and grow and the wrong sort of fruit will be shown. You know, I remember something Brother Britton said and I found it quite interesting. You know, he used to talk about baby worship. What did he mean by that, you think? 
Have you ever heard of baby worship? Okay, how do we treat little children? With love. With love? Um, do we treat them like people or do we treat them like objects? You know, can you imagine coming up to someone and coming really close to them and poking them in the face like this and saying, oh, you're so beautiful. Can you imagine doing that? And every kind comes and gathers around and, oh, I'll have to throw them around and all the rest. How would you feel as an adult if people started doing that to you? (laughs) Let's be a little bit careful here because when we start to educate in life, we need to be a bit careful. You know, my little brother had white, white hair. His hair was so blonde white and everybody thought he was the cutest little kid out there and um, suddenly as he got older the cuteness was not quite as cute when he started to um, misbehave and uh, I remember one time we were trying to practice the choir and he was smashing things around and uh, he was trying to get our attention, and it was not quite as cute or appreciated. You know when kids get to that stage? Because suddenly they've been given all this attention and told they're so cute and so good and so nice, and suddenly some of their habits are not so nice anymore. You know, when we look at this here, the vain, selfish, care-loving girl will be the same kind of woman. And another statement says, keep children as unaffected and natural as possible. Don't pay them excessive attention and tell them they are wonderful and beautiful. I remember one little girl going around saying, I'm sweet, I'm sweet, I'm sweet. And the mother said, no, sometimes you are very, very sour. (laughs) You know, sometimes we can somehow encourage self. We can encourage self from that very young age. And they say, as the tree is bent, as the tree is bent, so it is inclined. As we uh, look and reading you the statement that I was saying here before, it says here, the more free from artificial excitement, the more in harmony with nature, the more favourable will it be to physical and mental vigour and spiritual strength. The children who are most attractive are the children who are natural and unaffected. It is not wise to give children special notice. Vanity should not be encouraged by praising their looks, their words and their actions 
nor should they be dressed in an expensive or showy manner. Strong stuff, isn't it? You know, our tendency is, you know, to try and uh, try and make them uh, notice somehow or stick out somehow. Sometimes it's uh, it can become our child can almost become our extended uh, ego. And it goes on to say, it encourages pride and envy in them and awakens the envy in the hearts of their companions. Teach the children that the true adorning is not outward, but it's the hidden man of the heart, a meek and quiet spirit. What was the problem with these old people? They somehow felt that the world owed them a living, yeah? That... Somehow, they had to get hold of this earthly crown and hang on to it, no matter what. Where is the beauty in old age? Is the beauty of selflessness. Is the beauty of someone who has learned to turn outward instead of inward. It's the beauty of a producer, not a consumer. You know, by the time some people are old, I used to do NRMA calls and I used to often get some of these old ladies who were coming back from bowls and their cars breaking down late at night because it was in that area. And, you know, when you see young girls who are giggling and carrying on, you think, well, that's sort of normal. But when you uh, see these 80 and 90-year-olds with their hair all permed and purple and blue and every other colour. And um, some of them were half drunk and they're giggling away and carrying on. And I'm trying to get their car going. It was just like, wow, this is like incredible. Um, the, uh, just the amazing that there's such a difference between a Christian outlook and a worldly outlook. And the Bible does talk about this. It says that the older women should be, how should they act? Sober. Does that mean that old women have to go around with a grumpy face on all the time? No, but it means these ones were certainly not sober that I went to a few times. They were literally not sober, and they were also... Um, not very sensible, shall we say. Um, may, they're not ripening for glory. So the, it is interesting to notice in Titus, Titus chapter 2, how we should become as we grow older. It says the aged men, Titus chapter 2, verse 2, should be sober, grave, temperate, Sound in faith, in charity, and in patience. So these are some characteristics of ripening for glory. Sober, grave, temperate. You know, if someone hasn't learned temperance and patience as a young person, look out when they get older. You know, if someone hasn't learned, you get kids that throw themselves on the floor and demand things. When does the boy become a man? What if you get a man 
who's the head of the house and says, I need this now. You've got to do this and starts telling the family off. What is it? Is it a boy or a man? He's a big boy who's throwing his weight around. And is that acceptable to God? This is some of the characteristics that are included in Titus. Temperance, sound in faith, in charity, and in patience. And, all right, there's a lot there for the men. What about the women? The aged women, likewise, that they be in behaviour as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the younger women to be sober, because we know that doesn't come naturally, to be, love their own husbands. So, you know, sometimes Hollywood gets this totally wrong, don't they? Or probably all the time. Do women naturally know how to love their own husbands? You know, sometimes it puts women as somehow more love to give and, you know, more emotional creatures. If you have to teach someone something, do they know it? So the older women are to teach the younger women how to love these unlovely creatures at times called husbands. How to love their husbands how to love their children, to be discreet, to be chaste, keepers at home, to be good, obedient to their husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. And men, sometimes we uh, we have to be careful, don't we? All right, wife, you must obey me. Is that the sort of attitude we should have? Is it easy to submit to each other if you get someone who is a very dominating male chauvinist? Is it easy to submit to someone like that? But what if that person loves you like Christ loved the church? Is it easy then? And brothers, Christ loved the church at what particular time? Was the church particularly faithful and nice and, you know, can you you love like that? Is that possible? Humanly speaking, You know, when your wife's a bit grumpy, you pat yourself on the back that, oh, look, I've been a good husband today and she didn't even notice all the good things I did. You know, it's one of the greatest greatest threats to a relationship is feeling virtuous. Feeling that I should be appreciated because of all the good I've done. Start counting my good deeds. And then, oh, wasn't noticed, oh, no good. Then we start, things start 
self comes in and things start rubbing after a while. Yes, we might have started off thinking we loved each other, thinking we thought the same way, thinking we talked the same way, but after a time, if we don't learn what love is actually about and the selflessness of love, things are going to really start getting some friction. So, older sisters, have you learned these qualities? Because it's your job to teach the younger ones how to love. This is something we need to examine our hearts, isn't it? Ripening for glory, sharing a selfless attitude, sharing a non-materialistic life with those around us. This is what it means to chase the right crown. In the home, are we idealistic? Because idealism can really give you some problems, can't it? If you become too idealistic that something has to be just so and I have to have the latest and the greatest in a whole lot of things, we're going to end up with, again, we're going to end up with friction. Because godliness with contentment, the word of God tells us, is what? Great gain. If you don't have godliness and contentment in your life, what is it? Is a big loss. It's a big loss because you will be chasing the earthly crown if we haven't learned the spirit of contentment. Young men, Titus continues, exhort to be sober minded. In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine, shrewding, uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity. Such an important characteristic, sincerity. Not fake. Not put on. Not the plastic smile. Not the artificial love that's out there. But sincere love and care for each other. And so it goes on here and says, uh, not parlouring, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Saviour in all things. For the grace of God bringeth that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Soberly. <clears throat> um, soberly, righteously, godly. Where? Just in heaven? Here on this earth. So these are some thoughts that we uh, need to encourage. Chasing the right crown starts when? Starts very young, doesn't it? It starts by avoiding baby worship. 
and it continues throughout our lives that we are constantly encouraging simplicity. We're encouraging contentment. We're encouraging patience, long-suffering, selflessness right through. These are some of the treasures of the heavenly crown. One of the characteristics that was brought out of those who were, who were chasing the earthly crown was that they were clamorous. We look at our children and what do we see? Saying the other day in the youth Sabbath school, if you put a whole room full of four or five or six-year-olds and leave them all together and take every adult out of the room and leave them their toys in there and leave them there, what will happen? You'll come back to pick up the pieces, won't you? There'll be some screams, there'll be some terrible noises coming out of that room in not very long time. Someone is going to be hurt. Why? Because those children do not know how to chase the right crowd. They are clamorous, as it says here. It's human nature. And that learning curve, that learning process, that being learning to, to share, to care, to show human empathy, to show empathy for animals and things like that, that needs to be taught the human being, doesn't it? You know, naturally, you see little kids, they start, and what do you need to do when they've got a cat or a dog? What do you need to do? What are they going to do when they're really little? They're going to, you know, you try to teach them, pat the dog nicely. They pat the cat back to front and the hair going the wrong way and the cat's like got its claws out. And we need to teach them that gentleness from a young age. But do we teach that same gentleness for people as we do for animals? Sometimes we, we focus more on the, on the less important things, not that they're not important. But, you know, people can be brushed the wrong way, can't they? And when you brush the hair the wrong way, what happens? <laughs> the patience runs thin. That starts at such a young age, that teaching them how to live godly. What was Jesus' attitude towards us? Was he brushing us the wrong way? No, he's trying to trying to plead with us, trying to calm us down from our natural impatience, trying to uh, help us to realise where the right way is. These are some things that we need to focus on. And, you know, as we get older and as we start not liking what we see in the mirror, what do we do? You know, young people, when you are thinking of getting married, what are your thoughts on? Are your thoughts mainly on the character or are they often on the looks of the other person? And if they're just on the looks... You know, it's just a matter of time before that face you're looking at 
is going to get wrinkly. It's just a matter of time before that hair that you're looking at is either not going to exist <laughs> or it's going to change colour. And what's important when those things start to change is that this beautiful characteristics that we've been talking about are ripening. Because if they ripen, then we actually still know what love really is. As time goes on, even when we're young, sometimes we don't like what we see in the mirror. But if our focus is on God's things, that God put me into existence the way I am, then we shouldn't be focusing all on that self-image, the trying to change the self-image. You know, it's not just women that have trouble with fashion. Men have lots of trouble with fashion too. Just leave a few men and uh, get them to start, just see what they start talking about. Are they oriented towards fashion? Whether it's young boys who want to build up their muscles and they start to, you know, get into all sorts of athletics just to show that they're somehow strong, or whether they are getting a bit older and you see all the retired gentlemen, you go to a few caravan parks around this country and you'll see boys, old boys, and their toys. And they'll sit there talking all about their caravans and their four-wheel drives and their this and their that. And which crown are they chasing? Big question, isn't it? Eve had a problem right in the Garden of Eden. The very first problem Eve had was you can be better than you are. You can be wiser, smarter than you are. Has God said you shouldn't eat that? No, you're going to be wise. And women still have a problem when they look in the mirror that they think they can look, make that face look better somehow instead of learning selflessness and contentedness and sobriety. Let the old women teach the younger. Sister White quoted this quote here in uh, Health Reformer where it says... Curls and cosmetics are all a requisition to enhance the beauty of the human face divine. But what is the result? Youth's roses only flee faster. Old age will creep on apace. Rouge cannot hide its wrinkles, nor can it make any face beautiful. We are decided believers in old age. Handsome is as handsome does. No face has the true beauty in it that does not mirror the deeds 
of a noble soul. Okay, what's the important bits here? There is not a thought, a word, or a deed that does not leave its autograph or its picture written on the human countenance. And we care not whether nature has given her child an ugly face or an handsome one if the heart that beats underneath it all is warm and loving. And if the soul that looks out from the eyes be true and pure, the face will be beautiful always. Did you notice that? Have you ever met beautiful people who are ugly inside? They exist, don't they? Definitely out there. Beautiful on the outside, but ugly attitudes on the inside. And so it says here, we don't care whether nature's given her child an ugly face or a handsome one, if the heart that beats underneath it all is warm and loving. And if the soul that looks out from the eyes be true and pure, the face will be beautiful always, for it has found the true fountain of youth. And though time may fold the hair in silver and furrow the brow, yet there will ever be a beauty lighting it up that years cannot dim. For the heart and the soul never grow old. So Sister White quoted this that she found in a somewhere put on the wall. And it's a beautiful quote, isn't it? A lot of truth in here. Are we worried about our face? Are we worried about how it looks? Where does true beauty come from? Inside. And are we believers in old age? Yes, we're strong believers, it says here, in old age. So long as we've found the beauty that years cannot dim. May God help us throughout our life, step by step, every step, to start when the children are young, to start by training them to self-forgetfulness and deeds of kindness to others. And as that grows, as that ripens, it becomes more and more and more beautiful. May God help us and uh, bless us in our path and where we haven't been ripening the right way, that uh, the Lord will help us to refocus, relook. Where is the beauty? Where is the right path that uh, God will help us to find that contentment, that godliness where there's a great gain. Shall we uh, close with this last hymn 299?